Hello and welcome to Beach Got News, the podcast that shines a spotlight on ordinary people with extraordinary missions. This is a podcast focusing on the problems facing our coastal communities and the inspiring people behind the solutions. I'm your host, freelance journalist Charlotte Scotland, and every week I'll be asking a new interviewee what drives them. Holly Whitelaw is a woman who was passionate about the environment before it was cool. In her words, a day hasn't gone by where she hasn't been trying to make a positive change. Following a rewarding career in the renewable sector, she is now on a mission to empower and energise the next generation to forge a better, more sustainable future. Her uplifting attitude puts her in great stead as a motivational speaker on regenerative agriculture and soil carbon capture. Whitelaw is the director of Cornwall's Climate Action Network and a partner of Sustainable Food Cornwall. So when she watched a documentary touching upon poverty in Cornwall, she felt a call to action. Seven coordinators later, she heads up the Cornwall Gleaning Network. So Holly, as a woman with many hats, I just appreciate you coming on and giving up your time to be on this podcast. It's a pleasure. I just want to share the good news, really, that things are going well with the Gleaning Group. For everyone out there that doesn't know what a gleaning network does, are you able to explain what you guys do? Because it's a pretty amazing project. Sure. Gleaning is basically going onto farm fields and harvesting the vegetables, crops that would otherwise be left, boxing them up and getting them to charity groups. It can also be going to a place where vegetables or fruit is processed and some of them might be too big or too small or have one little tiny black spot on and we just pick those up. What we found is that uh, the food banks really need fresh produce Mm. and this stuff couldn't be fresher and they're also enabling people that sadly rely on food banks or community larders to not only get freshest produce around but also learn how to cook vegetables uh, that they might not ordinarily pick up like Mm. beetroot or squash Um, and that's a really good learning because we all need to learn how to eat what's in season locally uh, including myself I've been learning Mm. what to do with a beetroot so it's good in many ways. You mentioned food banks there, and I think that's the cinch point, isn't it? When the Trussell Trust, who run the majority of food banks in this country, are reporting the need for them has risen by 81% in the last five years, there's not really an excuse for unnecessary food waste, is there? It's crazy because we've got so much food that is wasted in the field. Because of supermarket contracts, the farm often has to basically overproduce in order to ensure that they've got enough for that supermarket contract um, because they don't want to have not quite enough because of some drought or some rain or pest or disease. You know, it's not an exact science. So there's a lot of waste currently. And that way, some of it might go into an AD plant, anaerobic digestion, to produce some energy, which is great. But currently, we need to re-evaluate all our food waste in Cornwall because we haven't got enough AD plants for our domestic food waste, which is going to be collected next spring. So things have got to shift. 
From April 2021 to March this year, the Trust handed out around 175,000 emergency food parcels in the southwest. That's around a third of the region's population. 67,000 of those went to children, which is a 7% increase since the year before the pandemic. And Cornwall is the second highest county for the amount of people who rely on the food bank. There are some really distressing figures, but I guess it goes to show the scale of the problem and that sadly it's one that's increasing. Yeah, there needs to be quite an urgent research project around food waste generally. But yeah, it's a crying shame that we have people that are literally malnourished Mm. in one of the wealthiest countries in the world. And, you know, it's uh, it's beyond me how to shift that. But we can at least get some fresh, fresh, good food uh, under their noses as much as possible. And I would say that actually the Trussell Trust aren't in Cornwall the biggest supplier of food to those in need. It's loads of different community groups that thankfully COVID helped establish and then a lot dropped away, but some continued. And I think there's going to be, again, a numbers building, especially when um, people have to put their heating on again and heating costs are so high. I would really like to see the big fossil fuel companies pay. But yeah, we can just do what we can do. Yeah, COVID has definitely had an impact. I mean, it's reflected in those figures. It's staggering to think before you came along, there was all this food waste, people going the food bank. And, you know, there wasn't anyone to marry that up and go, hold on. There's a solution here to two problems, isn't it? That's that's effectively what it is. Absolutely. And there are lots of solutions. And what's quite interesting is once you start doing something like the gleaning, other good solutions come uh, as a result of it, such as we try not to put food miles onto our food deliveries. We try and fit in with other companies or individuals that are doing a route anyhow. So Chad's, for example, up in Bude, they come down and deliver food further south in Cornwall and then go back up half empty, you know, with fans that Mm -hmm. have already delivered. So we put some of our crates in there down from central Cornwall and they take it back up. And even large pallets have been shifted from Hale back through to Plymouth, because we feed in Plymouth as well, on big lorries, because they're coming down from the east down west to deliver and then going back empty so that can then be expanded into a business potentially for someone you know I've got too much to do if anyone wants to take that (laughs) one um you know basically avoid the void eco couriers making common sense common practice it also is bringing community together and I think at this point it's really important to build community bonds and also get people out doing something that is practical and useful for our environment because sitting at home worrying about it isn't healthy Mm. actual practical solutions and getting a bit of a green workout with like-minded people is just really good for morale Mm. as well as your physical health what we need are more farmers to hear about this so it's great to be on your show um (laughs) Yeah, just if you can sign up. We're also expanding and thanking the farmers that we've been dealing with um, by giving them free shelter belts, which are lines of trees to help with 
uh, wind and erosion and things like that. So it gives another opportunity for volunteers to do something different as well. Do you know, it, it makes so much sense. Why don't they take food up to Plymouth or further up into Cornwall, cut your costs and your carbon footprint? Yeah. Makes so much sense to me. And it's crazy that actually you're probably in the minority of people that are doing it. No one else has thought of it. Well, it's a bit hard to find those people. But actually, because of Facebook, I have to say, lots of towns, even villages have their own Facebook page. So we can just go onto there and say, look, we've got this regular delivery route that we're trying to find a potential vehicle that can help. And up people come. It's just, Mm. it's fantastic. And people have been so generous and supportive because it seems to ring bells with people this because they've Mm. obviously been driving past fields of cauliflowers and and getting confused as to why they're just being left. (laughs) Cauliflowers or any sort of vegetable when it's ploughed back in does become a bit like a green manure but if you have too much of one thing uh, repeatedly Mm. it's not so good for the soil diversity is key in all things including what we eat you know Mm. um so those soil microbes like a bit of this a bit of that and a bit of the other um and just having brassica 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 that's cabbages cauliflowers and all all the same thing um isn't great so what I'm really passionate about is not only reducing waste in all levels, because um, actually the largest uh, area of waste is domestic food waste, but also um, getting the word out that if we have a healthy soil that is full of a large mixture of um, all the different types of microbes, and I'm going a bit scientific here, but it's <laughs> bear with me. Um, if we have all those microbes working together, doing all their little different jobs that they do, then we not only produce far healthier food, we also mitigate against climate change by chapping more carbon in the soil. The soil is the mm. best place to put carbon that we know of currently on land also we build resilience to climate change because those microbes support healthy plants and if you have that um, supportive mechanism underground it supports the life above grounds even in um, times of pest disease flooding or drought so we've got to really look at using our waste food for example in the best way possible to create healthy composts full of life to reboot the rather dead soils that we have in Cornwall with microbes to one produce healthy food to enable our foods to be more resilient to climate and also our soils to be able to absorb and and hold more carbon so it's kind of one of my passions as you can tell (laughs) I just love how hopeful you are as well, because I think you speak to so many people about climate action and it it does feel a bit doom and gloom sometimes because it just feels like such an enormous job ahead of us, doesn't it? It's difficult to kind of keep positive sometimes. It is, but once you're doing something about it, I wake up sometimes a bit tired because I'm quite busy um, and we could all do with more help, but I wake up just so invigorated because I've got something I can practically do that is making a difference. And it's finding those things that we can practically do. The average person just 
doesn't have the time, ability, headspace. They're stressed. And it's really frustrating because if we can all find jobs that we are passionate about or find at least a part-time volunteer thing that cheers us up, that is something to do with the planet, then we're all laughing, you know? And it's getting, especially the young, who've had such an extremely hard Mm. time over COVID, getting them hopeful and getting them outside, doing something in a group, which cheers them up. And um, I'm passionate to keep trying to do that, and as well as giving them the positive message. But it's hard. When I went into a school recently and did a talk about uh, eating for the planet and soil carbon capture and regenerative agriculture, to find that the food that they're being given in the school is just so below where it should be Mm. in quality terms. So that gave me another thing to do. So I'm on that mission. (laughs) Well, this is the thing, isn't it? And actually, you talked earlier about making sure that the food banks have fresh produce. And it's crazy that in this day and age, that's not a basic given for people that actually having fresh food that's good for you and full of nutrients is a luxury. Yeah. And it's a travesty that the overprocessed food, the rubbish is so cheap. Mm. Um, so there's a whole new learning required. Basically, it's about trying to make time to cook from fresh And that is the issue, I think, more so than anything else. In COVID, veg box sales went up from Basavan Community Farm. They went from 40-something to over 100 because people have the time to cook from fresh, you know, cook the raw ingredients. But now we're all busy again. It's really, really difficult to find the time. So we've we've got to try and make time to do that. And we've got to learn the skills required, i.e. bulk cooking, i.e. slow cooking, i.e. chopping things up really quickly and just stir frying it, you know, and learning different ways of using all our brilliant herbs and spices better. And I think part of what's happening in Cornwall, because we do have a brilliant network of all the food charities coming together every month, talking about their issues and sharing ideas. And so one of them is, to give away slow cookers, to potentially give away the spices. We will be reutilizing hopefully more and more waste and repurposing them into ready meals because some people just even don't have anywhere Mm. to cook. They've only got a microwave. So we need to give them fresh as possible ready meals, you know, like using our cauliflowers to do a cauliflower and potato bake or um, curry or... Uh, cauliflower cheese and also you know enabling more people to learn more sort of top tips and skills and doing little videos and going out into the more isolated rural areas with food as well you know there's a lot going on in the background there's a lot of people trying to help and so that's encouraging too oh I love cauliflower cheese Um, I know when I I've gone when when I went vegan as well I tried to um try and replicate it and actually I feel like it's close enough that I get that joy from cauliflower cheese again which is exciting (laughs) how do you do your cauliflower cheese Charlotte nutritional yeast it's really good for like that cheesy flavor so it's you kind of use the nutritional yeast like you'd use cheese um but obviously you use non-dairy milk um 
and I recommend you know the usual like mustard a little bit of mustard and a little yeah. bit of Worcester sauce as well mm, magic Worcester and what did I put a tiny bit of nutmeg in as well oh I should That's try that next good. time yeah. Giving me recipes. <laughs> well, I where do we get this traditional? What's it? Yeast? I'm not good on these things. Nutritional yeast. You can actually get some from local supermarkets like Aldi. Okay. I think that sounds cool because I've tried vegan cheese and it can be a bit. Oh insignificant. yeah, they haven't perfected that yet at all. <laughs> so going back to waste in the fields, um, yeah. do you think that lack of European workers when Brexit happened? Do you think that had a lot to do with the food waste? Because obviously I know a lot of farms struggled with not having pickers as well. Um, I'm not sure how much. I know they were having issues. I think they got that sorted quite quickly um, or else, you know, there wouldn't have been food in the supermarkets. But I know that there is a big call out for more farm workers, be it seasonal, be it permanent, and they get paid pretty well and okay. it is active and it is quite a good career path these days, especially now things are going on the regenerative path. We have, you know, as I was saying, good conditions for growing and we need to diversify what we're growing in Cornwall so that we don't have so many food miles, you know, reduce mm. the food miles, diversify what we're doing. It's all about resilience as well. But what we need to do is at an earlier age really encourage our children to have interest in farming because it can be poo-pooed and looked down upon mm. and I don't think it should be because to be a farmer you have to be an economist you have to be do marketing you have to do you know proper physical stuff you have to be part scientist it's a it's a hard thing they get a lot of bad press whereas they shouldn't and um, so I'm really keen that people are inspired to have, a, have another look at their career path, potentially as a young man. But also, if you're in a job you're not enjoying, think of that, because being outdoors does cheer you up. It, mm. it, it's been proven over COVID. And also being around healthy soils is known to make you know, both sort of physically well and mentally well. Um, so it, it is quite a healthy option if you don't overdo it. <laughs> That's very true. When it comes to the future, where do you see Gleaning Cornwall going? Well, I'm just hoping to make it a stable thing, really, because we're sort of jumping from £10,000 to another £10,000. And that's quite stressful, having to mm. find the funding every few months. It's trying to make sure that we can keep growing because there's still a lot of food waste, that we can work even better in more areas, provide more opportunities to more volunteers, especially the young. And then, you know, potentially let's get this everywhere. I, I try and link in through the Sustainable Food Partnership to encourage more gleaning groups in other counties. In the olden days, uh, this was what happened. This was the first social welfare of its type, really, because it was a law that everyone was allowed to glean, okay? Mm -hmm. um, that changed. But if you imagine, they'd have to cut the wheat with a scythe, so that was hard work. Mm. Um, and if 
those workers knew that they were needy nearby because of, I don't know, war or um, some pest disease had taken out some of the crops or something had happened so that there was a lot of poverty more so than normal. That worker would have left more wheat in the field for the locals to come and glean. So it was a way, basically, of society governing and managing its poor to ensure that they had enough to eat. And so that's the history that's so interesting. And also, I think it's important that going forward, supermarkets pay more, not particularly for the gleaning, but for charities to get rid of their waste, basically, because currently little Joe Bloggs um, in the middle of Cornwall drives, you know, um, with her OAP husband to pick up food waste out the goodness of their heart, takes it back to their kitchen, cooks it up and then distributes it. And yes, that's amazing that she's able, they are able to do that. But it's actually not just them. It's lots of people are doing this for free. And that's not sustainable. And it's not so well coordinated, therefore, because people come and go because they can't manage it all the time. Mm. And it just needs supermarkets to pay more. You know, there's that polluter pays principle, I think, is required more and more because over COVID, lots of charities, one, haven't been able to do fundraising and two, there is more need in our society. And the bigger picture is that we've got to find more funding to support the change for climate and environmental issues, as well as the normal charities. So therefore, there's basically less money in the charitable pot. And those supermarkets need to now put more money into that charitable pot, I believe. Yeah, often it's the big businesses, isn't it, that need to step up and do something about it. We're in such a materialistic world now where waste is unfortunately second nature and and we sort of do need to get back to thinking about ways that we can as individuals reduce waste really don't we yeah well it's just reducing consumption as well you know and I'm all to blame as well I don't like to eat the same meal twice in a week we're all spoiled and we've spoiled Mm. our families because we've been used to you know, just having fresh every day, different things. And actually we need to, I eat now my children's leftovers for breakfast and it's really varied as a result. leftovers. But yeah, it's buying less and being more organized and trying to do without, you know, less is best, but that's a really difficult thing because obviously that's people's livelihoods as well, you know, Mm. um, that consumer based thing but I think things are shifting because you know look at retail in fashion for example everyone's now talking about sustainability we don't have time to not and it is lastminute.com but Mm. things are shifting for the better and it's important to know that because most people don't see that and it's really gloomy but things are changing rapidly because we know we haven't got long to sort this all out but it's annoying because sometimes you know for the children around here in St Just one thing to do is to go up to the shop and buy some crisps and sweets and that consumer thing is just something to do it's a bit like Mm. oh shopping cheers you up go and get some nice clothes but what we've got to try and do is create 
healthier options and reuse, repair. I think every town and village needs a repair cafe, needs a library of things, needs a community larder. So we're potentially creating jobs in a different way. Like we need to get the young involved in that who are learning electronics to come Mm. and sit with those guys who are fixing things in front of people's eyes and teaching people how to fix them themselves which is really cool definitely it's that repair and mend ethos isn't it yeah so since you started you've gleaned over a hundred tons yeah and that equates to quite a lot of money as well and so you know how this model will continue I do not know but at least we're trying and we're having a jolly good time while doing so. Holly thank you so much for coming on and sharing your expert knowledge what you're doing sounds amazing. Well thank you and it's not just me it's an amazing team and loads of fantastic volunteers and kind farmers. Thank you for having me on. tuning in to beach got news if you enjoyed this episode then please let us know by rating sharing and subscribing and don't forget to join us next week where we sink our teeth into another coastline conversation